Sota Perktes Mishnah Yudalid 914, the uh, penultimate Mishnah of the Masechta, and uh, one that is about various stages in history and certain um, Gezerah's enactments that Chazal made. The first part of it, the Mishnah says, is Befulmus Shel Aspasianus Gazru Al Atros Chasanim Vala Eros. The Vartan learns like Rashi that Fulmos refers to a military campaign and Aspianos is the Hebrew version of Vespasian. Vespasian is the Roman general who began the campaign against um, Israel in the year 68 of the Common Era. He ended up beginning that siege um, of Yerushalayim in the year 70, but um, he ended up, when he heard that Nero died as emperor, he went to go to Rome to become the new emperor, with the famous story there we have about uh, Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai. So this first stage here is when Jerusalem was feeling already the pressure from the first stage under Vespasian. So they made a gazira al atros chasanim, a prohibition against bridegrooms wearing a certain kind of crown on their heads on the day of their wedding. Uh, there's a discussion in the Gemara exactly like what these crowns are made of and what are included in the prohibition. Um, let's say all things is the halacha, like Levi, so meaning they didn't wear any crowns anymore. Vala Eros. Eros is a kind of musical instrument. Uh, it doesn't have a name in English, I don't think. It's kind of think of like a tambourine, but just with one one bell on it, a single bell. Um, and uh, all the more so a tambourine would seem to be forbidden. Befulmos shall Titus. Then in the military campaign of Titus, Titus was the son of Vespasian who continued where Vespasian left off and Titus was the one who ultimately was responsible for the, the sacking of Yushalayim then the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. So during his military campaign, Gazru al-Atros Kalos, they made a enactment forbidding brides to wear like a certain kind of crown. The Gemara explains this to be like the... Um, like the Ir Shel Zahav, that golden city that we saw back in Masech Shabbos that you couldn't wear on Shabbos necessarily, but the point is that um, the Mishnah here is saying that at least brides couldn't wear those on their wedding day, crowns like the Ir Shel Zahav and other kinds of crowns. Vishlo Yilamed Adam Espino Yavanis. And also they made a separate enactment that you can't teach your child um Yavanit. Now, Yavanit means Greek, but we're not talking about the Greek language, as the Gemara makes it perfectly clear. Learning the Greek language, speaking the Greek language, that's not a prohibition. It's some kind of, as the Ramam explains in the Parish Mishnayos, some kind of, um, like, sign language, or the kind of, you know, unspoken, you know, gesticulated way of communicating that has been lost to us. But in the time of the Mishnah, the Greeks had this kind of sign language that was used in diplomacy. And um, as the story goes, and the Mishnah the Gemara, should say, speaks out this, this the Brisa and the following story. I'm going to tell you the story, because the Gemara does, but I want to make something clear to you. Um, the story I'm about to tell you is um, happens more than a century before the coming of, of Titus. Okay, so that needs to be reconciled, and we'll do that at the end. But just uh, first, the story, which I think is quite a famous story, it says that when these two brothers, Aristobulus and Hyrcanus, um, fomented a civil war um, amongst the Jews, they were the sons of Shonsin Hamalka, who was good, a good, good queen. She actually was a, 
the last ruler of uh, independence, Judea. The sister of Shimon ben Shetach, she was good, but she was married to Alexander Yaneus, Alexander Yanai, um, who was a bad, bad guy. Um, in any case, so when Alexander Yanai died, he said that she should become the regent and not their good-for-nothing kids. Um, and she ruled, she was great. But when she died, her two kids, um, so they basically had a civil war over who should be the next leader. Um, Hyrcanus was the less bad of the two. Aristobulus, like his father, was the more bad of the two. Aristobulus ended up um, getting control of the temple area in Yerushalayim, and then Hyrcanus made a siege around it. And every day, um, while under siege, the people inside the temple area inside Yerushalayim would lower down like a basket with money inside of it, and then the people on the outside, under Hyrcanus, would put two sheep inside, which would be raised back up over the walls, to be brought as the Tamidin. And then, um, some guy, uh, seeing this going on, on the walls, who knew the secret Yavanis sign language um, technique, he communicated to the people outside that as long as they keep on sending these sheep into Yushalayim, so then they'll never be able to overcome the Jews on the inside, because the Jews on the inside are protected by the zechus of the Tibetan, the daily offerings. And therefore, the next day, when the people on the inside with Aristobulus lowered the basket, instead of putting in two sheep, they put in uh, a pig. And then uh, that day, the the halfway up, it says that it stuck its little swine hooves into the walls of the of Yushalayim. And Eretzrael shook for under Parsos, and um, they made it right then and there. And that time, the rabbi said, um, Cursed is anyone who raises pigs in Israel, and um, cursed anyone who teaches his son this Chachmiyavanis, this secret sign language of the from the Greeks. So that's the story. Now, I told you that story happened. Like, uh, what happened was they these two fools um, brought in Pompey from Rome to help settle their dispute, and that was the Rome came in. And that was the end of independence in Eretz Israel. That happened in the year sixty-seven BC. So. Um, the the uh, the story is not the same time as a story that would happen with Titus. So Tosus has one answer. One of Tosus' answers is is that um, back then, like a hundred and whatever years previous, they made this enactment, but no one paid it too much heed. And then in the time when this almost repeated itself, new people are on the walls in Shalim, I guess they said, that's it. And they took it seriously, and then the enactment was kept that no longer were people teaching their sons um, this Chochmah Let's go with that shot. Um, this is difficult to reconcile. There are different Gersos. Um Titus could be Kitus, um, which would be a, a different... Quietus was a different Roman leader, um, actually in the um, Hadrianic persecution times. So that's a different Gersa. Um, Rashi has a, seems to have a different timeline altogether, perhaps, um, that would align with that. But whatever it is, I will go with this shot here that I just said. Um, and then the third part of the mission says, Bepulmus Ha'acharon, on the final campaign, which Bartner understands would be referring to um, post-Chorban, uh, meaning the same as, the same as like, uh, the... the yeah, that meaning. So fine, they're different because of different yourselves and different sheets and what pulmus means are different sheets. Is exactly what time we're speaking about over here. But in the final campaign, so again, let's talk. That, let's assume that means um, in the time of the 
the Chorban. So then, Gazushlo Teitze Hakala Ba'apirion Besochair. They made a separate enactment that a bride shouldn't go out in an Apirion within the city. Now, Apirion is a word um, which is not familiar. I can translate it for you, um, but you still have to probably Google it to see what I'm talking about with the translation. Probably the best translation is Palanquin, P A L A N Q U I N. Um, but basically, what that is, if you don't have access to figure out what that is, it's essentially some kind of like um, closed-in litter, like a like a think of like a stretcher almost, um, but it has a box on top of it, and it's covered, and the bride would be inside, and she would be transported um, by people being held up by, like, say, the four poles of this of this uh, palanquin. So that was part of the wedding celebrations, and um, they said that the kala should not go out, the bride should not go out in this palanquin anymore, in the Pirion, within the city. Um, however, um, says the Mishnah, notwithstanding that, which was an attempt to reduce the simcha that was associated with weddings, still, subsequently, the Rama learns in the parish, this is talking about in the time of Reb Yudnasi, um, so that's a hundred and whatever, 30 years later. Um, he decreed that they should be allowed to go. And his thought was, it was much more tsanua for a bride who everyone's looking at to be inside this, you know, this thing which is covered in kind of golden tapestries and stuff like that, which would keep her sort of out of the public eye and more tsanua than having her uh, be on the open. So they reinstated the Pirion for the brides to go to their weddings.